Welcome back, everyone. We are the god-awful gaming podcast, where the worst talk about the best. We are returning to the Overwatch League, where we have four teams. The Dallas Fuel, the Atlanta Rain, the Shanghai Dragons, and the New York Excelsior, who have qualified for the June Joust, which will be starting in just a couple of days. After a long-fought battle between multiple teams, these four teams have been the ones that have decided the meta, have decided that they want to be the best in this meta. I am joined by my co-host, Sabine. I am Zach. So, Sabine, any first thoughts on the past few days of games? Well, I think the last four, like the last few days, uh, were exhilarating. I think there were some really, really great games, some really, really good Overwatch played. And I think there was some really, really, really bad games played. Um, I think you had, you know, different teams trying to take on whatever this meta was. And some were really successful in their hero choices and just, you know, their confidence as players. And I think that you saw a lot of teams struggle. Um, and I, th I think that's going to have sort of a lasting impact as we go past this tournament. Um, but I think in the lead up to... Uh, you know, the June, uh, <laughs> the June Joust, um, you know, you're going to see teams that I don't think you expected to see in the, in the tournament. Um, and I think it's going to, you know, end up in a very similar place as we saw the last tournament in, in full, you know, transparency. But I think it's going to be an interesting tournament. I'm really excited for it. Um, but probably one of the standout things for me this past weekend was the return of in-person matches in, uh, in China. So that was, that was really cool to see, uh, the return well, of that it home stands. It wasn't, I think it should be noted. It wasn't even, it was, it was the return of home stands in the Overwatch League, but it was actually the first home stand for the Chinese teams in China, which was I think really? is, I think, so. well, I think, or oh, for, um, for Hangzhou, I think. Mm. for specific because i think shanghai will ha would have some but i think they would mostly go to korea for the uh because of, because a lot of the chinese teams were korean based they were You're based right. in korea so yeah so it's the first time that like Hangzhou fans are actually going in their city to watch everything that's super exciting yeah so that was probably one of my biggest takeaways just just seeing what we might get get to you know probably uh for maybe even the playoffs um but yeah, I think I think the matches were really interesting this past weekend. I didn't get a chance to catch all of them, but uh, I caught the big ones, <laughs> obviously with the the gladiators uh, and the fuel and uh, the outlaws and the fuel, which just broke my heart this past weekend. It was very sad. Uh, and then obviously the shock versus rain game, I think, is what everyone is sort of talking about at the moment. Of course, and I think uh, before we go into those. Before we go into the playoff games, uh, the qualifier games, I do want to just quickly maybe mention a couple of the qualifier for the knockouts, totally. uh, just because I think there was a bit of drama. I think mm -hmm. I, I've, I especially I, I as I told you before, I wrote, you know, a lot of notes on this game, but the Paris Eternal versus the Boston Uprising game, which yes. I think was a very interesting game. Mostly mm -hmm. because it, it was such a hard-fought battle, and I think if Boston—I don't know if it would have changed Boston's bracket placement, mm -hmm. but they still ended up 
getting 3 would by the Atlanta Reign. But it was such a hard-fought battle with Paris. Which I will say, I think Paris Paris's DPS line is slowly becoming one of the strongest in the Overwatch League, if not already. I think Naga is, so. like, up there to be one of the best Echo players in the mm -hmm. League. Um, you know, if not him, Pelican. Like, his, his mastery of Echo is amazing. I am... Yeah, I did catch that game, and I was I was mm -hmm. really interested to see Paris just continuing to have strength, especially after they brought in some new elements. You know, they lost Elivote, and so they brought in Vistola, and I thought that was really really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I there was there's a couple specific plays that I noticed that were, I, I think if we had a longer time period with this with this hero pool, it might have been a, a new. It potentially shift in the meta. Uh, there was uh, Oni God on the McCree where he dead eyed into sniping, I believe it was Myungban's Moira ult, or her, his coalescence. And it was brilliant because they completely shut down any chance the Boston Uprising had at taking back that map because they kept shutting down the key alts in this, in this Winston Reaper Echo. Moyer Lucio combo. And yeah, I think it was a lot of fun. I think Onigod popped off quite a few times, especially yeah. on Widowmaker. He's he's uh, fantastic. Like watching him fantastic. on those hit, hit, hit skin rolls is just mm -hmm. like it's so much fun. It's your you, you can tell he's just like in his element there. Um I also thought that, you know, just talking about sort of some of those qualifier matches, uh, you know, mm -hmm. finally finally won a map. Finally. <laughs> once um you know i was talking very high on philly last week um and you know of course philly was the ones to lose a map to the valiant um but i think it actually shows that you know despite the issues around the valiant and how they sort of came to be i think that roster isn't terrible i think they're trying and i think that they want it quite badly um and so I'm interested to see, you know, how the the future matches go for them. Um, though I would not expect to see them win another map against Philly with their players now arriving in Korea. So. I was just going to mention, yeah, Funny Astro just, he tweeted a couple, like two days ago, that he was, I think that he was somewhere that wasn't England. Which yes. oh, that wasn't Europe, so. Yeah, and Poco was talking about it, and I think Shockwave was also mentioning, so... Um, Finally I'm, getting I'm, those visa issues out. Well, or, I'm very excited out. to see Philly back with, you know, their roster. Right, right. I I do think Funny Astro would have helped a lot in this meta, especially on that Lucio. Yeah, I think I definitely think Philadelphia would have looked a lot stronger. I think Poco on Diva would have been a big help too. Because he's mm -hmm. I think he I don't know if he's necessarily the strongest not like Diva in the league, but I think he would have been more of an upgrade especially with the, his ability to maybe switch to double bubble if they wanted to yeah so i don't know i that's just i i'm sad we won't see them crushing contenders anymore yeah. that was a lot <laughs> that was a lot of fun but it was I, making eu yeah. contenders very interesting by by interesting do you mean boring or i mean <laughs> you know it made you look slightly better than you right no that's normally true. look true. so <laughs> very true you're like oh yeah you does have some good players 
I I will say most of my notes on the game games this past week, including uh, even including the Paris Eternal games, uh, just had multiple spamming of nerf this uh, because I think right now Echo is a little too strong in this meta. Yeah. Uh, I and I think <laughs> there was definitely quite a few games that showed that. Uh, I, I we already talked about this, but I mean the Dallas Fuel. Uh, San Francisco shot game from last week that had I think six diva bombs in one fight. Yeah. So, I I think that I I, I will I am sad about the the results of the June joust qualifiers. However, I do think that this echo diva buff kind of made it a little boring. I don't. Mm-hmm. So we're going a little off topic here, but that's fine. You know, I think. I think just discussing the general, we can get into the specifics of the games um, in a moment, but I think you make a really good point. Um, I'm really excited to see if this echo nerf that they just put in um, is going to help a little bit for the next sort of tournament cycle. I just think that echo has been so dominant and nerfing her ultimate a little bit. I'm really hoping it's going to make a difference because yeah, I think it's been, it's predictable. You're like, oh yeah, Echo's got duplicate. You're gonna go up for a tank. You're gonna do this. There have been some interesting moments where they don't exactly like duplicate a tank, but um, you know, we love goats. It's actually one of the ways that we, we became close friends was um, through just playing goats in uh, Quick Play Classic. <laughs> just sort of rolling people that way um but this pseudo goats meta that we've seen um harkens back to when goats was meta and you were watching in the league which is like got boring got predictable it's why they nerfed it and brought in roll queue it's just like it wasn't a great place for the game to be and i think that this meta really also showcased that i i agree with you on the especially on the echo picking different targets that weren't Honestly, that weren't the diva. Uh, I think especially it was the Florida, is the Florida Mayhem versus the Dallas Fuel, where Yaki multiple times kept copying the Reaper, and once or twice it worked, but it was mostly when when the diva was close to out of mech. It, it was when, you know, there wasn't enough enough healing at the time for the the Dallas Fuel, and then but every time when the Dallas Fuel just copied the the diva, they just won a fight. And yeah. I think that was, I think that's where this discussion of, you know, losing out on the meta happens. I think there were multiple teams that I, I think looked strong when they finally were like, all right, I guess we'll play the meta. Uh, I mean, case in point, I think the Atlanta Rain looked very strong in this meta. But, mm-hmm. you know, and but but look prior to right when, you know, right when they, uh, the first week, they looked really strong on that Arisa Diva. Yeah. And but then teams figured it out. Yeah. And I think I, I think it will be interesting to see, you know, hopefully what what will happen when we have no hero uh hero bands, which I think we can talk about after the, the June Joust is over. Totally. The June tournament. Um <laughs> the June tournament. Um do you want to get into the the qualifier games? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah, first game I think that we could get into is the Outlaws versus Fuel, since I'd I'd prefer to go from first first bracket to or first you know, first bracket and then the first match in that first bracket to the Totally. 
second yeah, game. So Outlast versus Fuel. I, I know you are an Outlast fan, so how did you I feel? I'm an Outlast fan. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly new Outlast fan. Like, I started becoming a fan of them last season, but really I just hit my stride with them this season. And yeah, I remember now why uh, it was painful to be an Outlast fan. Because sometimes you just watch them and you're like, all of you are fantastic players. You are just making the wrong calls in every situation. It's like the wrong comp, the wrong heroes, the wrong, like, you know, time to use your ultimates. And you're just kind of like, come on, get it together. <laughs> like, I, <sighs> the fact that they stuck with that Arissa Diva comp just made me really, really upset. I wasn't like upset, but like, a hundred percent but i i was just like what are you doing this is obviously not working stop doing it you need to change something up i yeah i i'll be honest this was the one Brackode game i didn't watch uh oh yeah <laughs> of course the one the, the first game was the one we, we i did not watch um but i have heard i have heard that it was i have heard there was kind of definitely potentially call issues not necessarily in the heat yeah. moment but almost like engagement issues that you know couldn't nece weren't necessarily that you could have switched in the game but seemed to be a result of like coaching decisions of going hey we're gonna do this instead of this and yeah it, you know, like uh, i would say that it was i think it was a coaching issue like mm -hmm. i i really i like the whole staff of the outlaws like even jake i think has brought a lot of um I think he's been actually super useful for the outlaws and what they're sort of doing. I just, I don't know what happened, but yeah, there was just some calls made that I was like, first of all, Juby was on break and it wasn't like his break wasn't bad, but it became very obvious very quickly that they could just like the Dallas field could just target Juby and that like you're out of the fight then like your team fights lost. And so you like you watch the first, you know, map and they got pretty rolled on Busan and you're like, okay, you know, just the first map, like Dallas wants this very obviously very hard. Um, and I was like, let's see the subs. <laughs> like, where's Jake? Like, they're gonna bring something in, they're gonna switch some stuff up. So that they that's what they've been doing like the whole season. Um, and then they didn't. And I was like, okay, sure, you're you're gonna try this, try it out. Um, you know, Happy and Dante, I think, were performing at the, the same level that they've been the whole time. It's just that there was quite a bit of issues around how Dante and, and Happy were getting support. And then um, Juby being on the brig and not feeling as confident and not being on the Moira. Or, like, no, I was very confused why they weren't even trying to run uh the moira lucio because like lucio's juby's main uh character so i was like well that's a that's a weird choice okay so like maybe you're trying to do something and then you know you're seeing dreamer play this Arissa, and then they they just weren't switching anything out and i think sort of what what it came down to is dallas was just really good at pick pointing um houston's like flaws and it was like okay they're not actually peeling for their supports properly uh it's easy to target juby and then they don't have that amount of healing that they need and i think the tank line of houston has just been really unstable with the whole switching jangu and dreamer in and out to play the same heroes 
Um, and I think if we had seen Houston actually run the meta um, with that sort of like dive uh, with like Winston Diva, I think that they if they had ran that meta, which was and like mirrored um, Dallas, I think they would have had like a better chance. But it was just like team fights were going so quickly because Dallas was just putting so much like you know fearless on that Winston is just remarkable and so you're dealing with that and you're getting pressured and there was just like no team fights that Houston could win I think they had like maybe two good fights that I was like oh yeah they're gonna they're bringing it back they can do it um and then no like it was about the second match and I was like if they don't switch anything for the third match it's over and then they didn't switch anything and I was like okay well bye outlaws sucks so that's my sort of summation of what i saw right i yeah i agree i think there i think there needs to be change with potentially i think the outlaws maybe need to be a little more cohesive with their plans that's the only that's the only way i can really describe it i think they looked very strong during the qualifiers up to this point I think because of their their willingness to try new things, but then I think when a team who has a plan, who has the ability to really engage on and capitalize on their mistakes, that's when the outlaws kind of fall apart. I don't know. I I so I I think that that that's my personal opinion. Maybe a little hot of a hot take, uh, but. No, I think, I, I think right. it's a good, it's a good point. And like, you know, it's very easy to like, be like, oh, outlaws, what, what are you doing? But um, it's, I think it's actually pretty important to remember that like, this is the fuel that they went against. And the fuel are just at the top of their game. They are playing right. so well. They are not <laughs> letting, they're, they're catching every mistake from every team you know, they won the main melee. And so, you know, it's very easy to be like, outlaws, what are you doing? Which I do agree. And I do think that they need to sort mm -hmm. of reevaluate and spend this next break to like figure out what their game plan is. But I also think that the fuel are just that much better. I, you know, at this point, I'm pretty sure the fuel is going to win the play, like the whole season uh, mm -hmm. if they continue to play the way, the way that they are. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right, well... So we we start our story with the Dallas Fuel 3 owing the Houston Outlaws, sadly. And now they face the Los Angeles Gladiators, which ended, I think, sadly, for the top-rated team out of NA. With the Dallas Fuel winning 3-1, three, three, I believe Gladiators only winning on Hollywood, with... An interesting meta switch. They weren't. They didn't actually. The one. I think. It, I think it's interesting. The one map. They won was the one map where, Lucio Moira was not, possible or at least wasn't as good. Sabine, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been very high on the gladiators in a while, and so I came out of that match going, wow. They won a map. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to win anything. Um, you know, part of it was because they were going against the fuel, and I was like, fuel's going to mop them up. 
no problem. Um, just because I think that's the team that, you know, uh, is going to win everything. So, of course, I'm going to think that. Um, and I haven't been very high on the Gladiators. I think they've got good components, and but they're lacking sort of an understanding of how to play cohesively, I think is my biggest issue. Um, like, you know, Bird Ring is fantastic. Like, Kevster is pretty strong. Um, you know, Moth, obviously, I think he's still one of the best, like, main supports in the league. Um, but they're not utilizing Moth, like, at all. And it's very odd. Um, and so I think, you know, they've got good pieces. They're just not doing it. They're, I don't know, there's a disconnect there, almost. Um, and so, for me, when I watched this game, I was like, okay, you know, the gladiators are doing what the gladiators do. They're applying pressure, but they're not seeming super cohesive. And the one time that they actually started to feel cohesive was on that Hollywood map. They were like, they were able to start to push fuel back a little bit and like starve off some of that aggression. Um, so I was like, oh, wow, you know, they did, they did better than the outlaws. They were able to take a map. Um, but... I think I don't know how far the Gladiators are going to go this whole season, um, considering they've had pretty big misses for both of the both of the tournaments so far. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about the Gladiators as well. I I wasn't very high on them even at the beginning of the season. And I think they've just shown why still they haven't really been consistent. I, I think they were consistent in these qualifiers, but I think everyone has said that their like their schedule was pretty weak comparatively to the rest of the teams. Yeah. So I I I honestly I think if this was if this was like the May Melee qualifiers, I think potentially they would have been playing the Dallas field in the first round. Once again, so I, I don't really know how to. I think mean, it almost seemed identical in a way, just you mm -hmm. know, replace the shock with the gladiators. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think we'll see what they do with the new meta with no hero bands, and I'll be curious to see. I think if they can, I think they should utilize Moth more. Moth is definitely amazing, but I I almost think he needs a team to he needs a team that listens mm -hmm. and i i do think that there is a bit of i don't know how to describe this there's a bit of aggressiveness from the gladiators that is really hard to rein in that the that i don't know how that fits with moth who is a very calculated player so. i think you make I think you make a really good point about he needs a team that listens because, you know, Moth on the shock and that mm -hmm. was, you know, he was really a, a big call out person for that team. It's actually something I think, you know, we're going to get into the shock in a moment, but I think that's actually a big mm -hmm. thing that the shock is lacking is that sort of structure and call out. And like, I was, I was listening to Plat Chat as a sort of prep because they make a lot of really interesting points and I, uh, use that as sort of a flip reflection tool and they were talking about how the reason that moth was good 
wasn't just because he was like a very hesitant main support. He also knew how to be aggressive, but he knew when to be aggressive and he made his team follow that flow. And so you see, mm-hmm. you watch the old shock games and you're like, yeah, you can tell Moth is only aggressive when everyone can be aggressive. Otherwise, he's going to play back with his team. He's not going to be out of position very often. And so it's what makes Moth really good. And I don't know if the gladiators are able to do that right now is kind of the issue. I think that all of their components are good, like Skewed and Shoe and Space and Muse. They're all really, really good players. It's just that, like, I don't know how how ready they are to listen to someone. And I feel like that there's sort of an internal conflict of who's that shot caller, who's that leader for them. Um, and I think if they allowed Moth to be that, they'd probably have a bit more consistency. Right. I think, so going to, this is going to completely change games, but I think what a lot of Overwatch League teams need is an in-game leader, a true in-game leader. Like in Counter-Strike, in Counter-Strike, there is an actual role that people designate as this is the in-game leader. And I think it's it's harder to do that with Overwatch League since you'll switch out players depending on the map. You'll switch out players, um, you know, if they're not doing well because you have a bigger roster. And, and I think that I think that affects the game a little bit. I think there needs to be more of a structure, more of a, all right, let's not engage here. Let's, you know, let's wait a little bit more. Let's disengage. And I think you do see that happen quite a bit, but I, I don't know if it's to the level that you need to win the Overwatch League. I think the Shock actually, I think the Shock did that well the past two seasons, and I think they're maybe missing what they need to do that this season. Yeah, but exactly. All right, well now... Well, let's any, get into the Shock. Because, let's get into yeah. the Shock. So uh, I... I'm just not going to talk about the Atlanta Rain Boston Uprising game. It it was pretty boring, in my opinion. It was... it was it was predictable, especially after watching that Boston Paris game. It was like Atlanta is, I would say, better than Paris at this point, and so Atlanta is obviously going to be better than Boston. Yeah, it was it was a pretty clear sweep, and then so and then we get into the San Francisco Shock versus the Atlanta Rain, which. Should should I take it first? You you, you go know. right ahead. This is okay. you thank were the you, shock you. fan here. I am I am the San Francisco shock fan. Uh, I am hurt. I am I am dismayed. My day is ruined and my suffering is immeasurable. Uh, sorry, I had to make that joke at some point. <laughs> so, I this this was a hard game for me. I when I was watching the games. Specifically, I remember hearing one of the casters mentioning how the Atlanta Rain were not playing aggressive and that allowed them to, you know, have an equal footing in terms of alts. And it was interesting watching the games afterwards. And I think I watched I watched Quest and then I, I was also watching just kind of like as I muted the casters just so I could watch it by myself. And it was interesting to see, I'm actually, I'm going to go back to the Gladiators game, uh, how the Gladiators and Shock, I think, actually played very similarly in the fact that they 
always wanted to be the reactive team. They wanted to react to what the other team was doing, be it with Moyer Alts, be it with even Diva Bombs and not necessarily copies. And I think I'll get into that. And I think that's why Nero is a particularly good Echo. But the rest of the team, especially Violet, is I love Violet to death, but especially Violet, played very reactively and they weren't aggressive. And I think this meta favors aggressiveness to an extent that I think this, and I think I truly think that the shock had that during the qualifiers, but then took that away, decided to maybe be a little less aggressive and it didn't work out for them. And I, Sorry, I'm going on a bit of a ramble, but I think it particularly showed, and I think they did it because they thought that reacting was better, and they did that especially during the Vancouver Titans game. If you noticed, during the Vancouver Titans game that the Shock played, Violet always coalesced second, and it usually worked, And I, but I don't, and I think they didn't realize why it worked, and that was because the San Francisco Shock are a better team than Vancouver Titans. Yeah. Sadly, I, I apologize, Sabine. Uh, oh, it's as... fine. <laughs> I After the qualifier matches this week, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, Vancouver. Okay. <laughs> I, I noticed a couple of times, there is definitely a, a lot of mistakes in regards to alt usage. I will say, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this. I think FD God's choices were actually very good. They were very smart, in my opinion. Um... Or, you know, they it was everything was going so fast that you didn't necessarily know what was going on. Yeah. Um, like, everyone is talking about the... Uh, gosh, why, why am I always forgetting the map? What was the very first map? Am I forgetting um, the map? The control map? Nepal. Oh, Nepal, yes, thank you. Nepal's second point when they were... When it was 99% and FD God runs in and beats... If you were in FD God's position, 99% of the time, you would also beat. And I I think people were not understanding that. And I think it wouldn't have been in that position if Violet, Violet had wasted his coalescence and literally died half a second after he popped it. Because yeah. no, one, no one's talking about that. Very first, end of the very first fight, Violet popped coalescence and died, and it was just two of them. It was a very plat... It was a very plat Moira <laughs> moment for Violet. I yeah. I love Violet. Like this is please, if you're listening to this and you think I'm hating on Violet, I know I am going to get threatened now because I insulted Violet. I love <laughs> Violet to death. This is nothing about Violet. He just made mistakes and that's okay. Yeah. Um I, I and I think I <laughs> sorry, this is the longest one person talking, I know. Uh <laughs> But I think it just showed the Atlanta Rain knew that this meta was being about being aggressive. Mm -hmm. And actually, as you said earlier, about being aggressive at the right time. And I think the timing for the San Francisco shock was just off. Well, I think that's, for me, the biggest thing was that I think the shock, there was moments where I was watching it and I was like, you doing and you're right you know it it, you you mentioned it was sort of like plat mistakes 
Um, now I am barely silver, I think is my highest rank. So I am not one to talk, but I think there was a few moments where it felt desperate and they felt like they just, they didn't have any control. And so there were times, like you mentioned, where Violet's coalescing and I'm like, why? Like, just, just hold off. Like, you don't need to win this fight. Just save it for the next one. And there was, they were so desperate to win team fights that it just felt like they were like, they were rolling down a hill and they couldn't stop themselves. And so they just kept throwing themselves on and there was like, they would throw themselves on to the point, like one by one for like 50% of the point. And it was like, you need to re-figure out what you're doing. Like, stop throwing yourself onto the point. Like, just, just figure out what the game plan is and react to what Atlanta is bringing. Um, I think that Atlanta was so interesting this match because I really haven't rated Atlanta very high. Not for, because I think that they're a bad team. I just think that they're... Like, I just didn't expect to see them at that sort of top level. You know, they've been referred to as the gatekeepers for a while, and I really think that's sort of where I place them as well. But I think Pelican's mastery of Echo and Kai's utter dominance on that hitscan roll were, was so good that... They didn't have a ch like the shock didn't have a chance to try and like win out those team fights that they're like Violet's gonna coalesce and he's gonna win all this because he's so good. It's it was more that the Atlanta was prepared for that and went, yeah, Violet, you're really good, but like so's Pelican, so's Kai. Um, you know, Massa had some really good points. Iris was doing really really good as well. Like he was a lot stronger in this match than I think he's been in the other few matches. And so I think the rain just like knew what they wanted their game plan to be and didn't freak out or feel desperate. And I think the shock felt desperate. And I think that they just lost their footing and that I think they're, I'm really, really hoping, you know, I, I also consider myself a shock fan and I really want them to do well. Um, I think they need to take a serious look at how their components work together, how they take team fights, and how they support their team to succeed. Because I think there's been too much individual play again, and there hasn't been as much team plays that just show the utter dominance that is the shock, you know, machine. Because Krusty t takes, you know, any player and makes them great. I think as a coaching staff, he is so fantastic. And I think what they need to do now is become that machine that they are. You know, they're all individually fantastic, but there's been far too much reliant on like Violet making really good plays and not how Violet can make really good plays while also simultaneously supporting his whole team. And I just don't think they've been doing that and I think Nero's been having a rough time with it I think Stryker's been having a rough time with it I think when Glister comes in he's having a rough time with it and you're not having that sort of you know dominance because it all just feels really disjointed so 
I, I right. Yeah. No, I think there was a the shock did lose two coaches this past year, which arguably you could say that they it wasn't a big deal, but I think they're I think they lost a very consistent structure that they've had over the past couple of seasons. And I I think it shows that you know a couple of players make a couple they're making mistakes that I think they normally wouldn't have. I think Smurf is still very very good i mean there's he's having individual plays that are that win fights that are that are winning you know that are winning maps even but i i think that you know those those one plays are then offset by maybe an aggressive dive where he gets picked off and i think that that happened on the paul first point uh where the very first fight was lost because they were like oh we need to touch so let's engage instead of let's just having you know, Choi Hobin just go on point with his defense matrix. Uh, I, I you know, we're not we're not watching the games, so or you know, we're not watching the games live, so we can't really criticize or critique what's going on at that second. Um, and I should clarify, this is not us talking bad about the shock, not talking bad about you know the fuel or outlaws or gladiators. This is simply what we think is going on. Mm -hmm. I should I should clarify that. Uh, you know, we come from a very interesting perspective of, you know, Zach and I both sort of fit into this of like, I think we can analyze the game better than we can play it. You know, there's a reason we call ourselves God Awful Gaming um, is that we're both sort of very analytical and like to pick out sort of the details about the matches. And it's what makes watching esports really interesting. Um it doesn't mean that like we know better than any of the players or we know better than the coaching staff. It's just these are the sort of things that we've started to pick up on and that we think is happening. Um, and I don't think that we're really off, but I think, you know, everything we say comes from like the utmost respect for everything that these players and coaches and teams do um, because this is our favorite thing and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Right. I in truly I I I think it's just I dislike how the tournament like structure has been going. I think I I almost wished that maybe we had started with a hero ban idea and then gone maybe two months or three months with no hero ban or maybe like or something where we could have more time with a single meta. I don't think three and a half weeks is really enough for that. And I just, I don't think the strongest team is out there because of it. Like, I don't, I think the Dallas Fuel definitely looked good because in the May Melee and the June Joust because they had the right coaching ideas. But how would that be if, you know, there's three months for each team to be like, to break down each map for, with with the meta overall? I just, I... I come from StarCraft where obviously we don't have unit bans because that would make no sense because I, I could not, I wouldn't be able to say that, you know, Serral or, or Rogue or any of those players are the best if, you know, Roaches were banned or Banelings or whatever. I'm sorry, you might not know what those units are. Super so. not familiar <laughs> with it, but that's okay. Hopefully but, someone you know, does. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully someone listening does. But it just it just doesn't make sense to me. I I don't. It's just also like the same with like CS:GO or Valorant. Like you don't ban weapons and go well. You know here here figure it out what you're gonna do now. And 
well, I understand. I mean, in, in, sorry, I was going to say in Valorant, because mm-hmm. that's my sort of new thing, is I've been watching a yeah. lot of competitive Valorant. And they don't even have agent bans. They have map bans. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> well, they saw, have like, map bans in CSGO. Like, they, they ban maps. But, like, yeah. and that I understand. And they ban maps in StarCraft. Like ban the maps, don't ban sense. don't ban heroes. Mm-hmm. Like it's it ruins the game in my opinion. <laughs> like it it just ruins it ruins who the best team should be or who would I, be. I think that I like in my opinion, I think that hero bans aren't inherently bad. I do like shaking up metas and I do actually think that like why I think Dallas has looked good in both and I, ta- I think i talked about this a little bit last week but why i think dallas has looked good in both tournaments so far is because they've been able to sort of take what they're doing and adapt it to what works for them rather than that what is the meta um and you know considering that they mm. haven't had a hit scan like i think they've done that really well um right. and so i think that that has a place in like overwatch i think you know, when you you want to shake things up to see, you know, who can actually adapt and not just, you know, this one meta is really good for them and they get to play that all year. Um, <laughs> and so I think that's actually an important aspect. I think what I've been a little bit frustrated in with this tournament season or this tournament sort of style is less about the hero pools or just like how long they get, they get the meta. I think it's more that the... <sighs> I don't know, it, there's something weird to me about the seating for the knockouts. It just, every time I watch it, it just doesn't feel right. I'm like, why would these teams, like, it feels weird for these teams to go against each other because then, you know, the top teams end up getting knocked out. Like, the Outlaws and the Shock were, you know, both 4-0 in the qualifiers and they got knocked out by something and it just, like, that felt super off. In that whole sort of structure and so i think the seating has been weird um i would like to see maybe those knockouts go a little bit longer and almost have a double bracket for the knockouts (laughs) because i think it would give those sort of top teams a chance to actually say okay like we know why we got beat now we have a chance to come back um i don't know how much that would actually work but I think that's sort of been my frustration. Um, we have been talking a lot mm. about NA though, mm. and I do want to talk a little bit about the APAC qualifiers. I I will quickly mention. I do find it interesting your point about the Dallas Fuel, uh, about how they shifted the meta toward how they shifted their meta for them. I I will say it is very interesting that this meta, the best meta in the June Joust so far, fits a no hit scan team very perfectly. Yeah. So I, I do think there's a, a a bit of luck involved. Um but totally. You know, they, they definitely have done very well. But yeah, so switching to APAC. Uh I don't necessarily think most of the games are really worth mentioning, except a couple. Uh particularly we have the Shanghai Dragons versus the Seoul Dynasty. Uh which we had Lee J Gong Tower, as many people have been calling it. <laughs> Where he yes. had 10 environmental kills, or tw- I think it was 12 in total. Yeah. Uh, which now puts him at number one for the season. Uh, and he would have been fifth off of that one map alone. 
and I will say, however, it is very interesting. He is only one ahead of FD God in total. And yeah, so FD, I, FD God has been the most consistent with environmental kills. I think that makes uh, sense. I think he's just right. that aggressive. I think Lee Jae Gong, though, I think mm. his, I think he's one of the reasons that Shanghai is just similar to how Dallas, Dallas Fuel is mm -hmm. in, in NA is that they're just like a consistently really, really good team because mm -hmm. their components work. They clearly know how to work with each other. You know, maybe not all of their players are the best at every single thing, but they mm -hmm. make things work for them. And I think just Lee Gong is such a good main support that it he, they get away with a lot of, a lot of stuff. I will say, I think it's interesting you say that because I think Lee Jae-gong is very streaky in regards to his play. I think sometimes he pops off and I think sometimes, I mean, sometimes we have, we have this game that happened between the Seoul Dynasty and them. But other times, I think if you're watching, uh, especially I think la the first week of APEC when the Shanghai Dragons faced the Hangzhou Spark and Shy just murdered Lee Jae Gong every single time. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think Seoul I think I think Shanghai Dragons are a very strong team and I was right that I picked them for to qualify even though I had them second over the Chengdu Hunters which we won't talk about. Uh who <laughs> weren't even in the knockouts. Uh I I still think that this was more at least in my opinion I think this was more on the Seoul Dynasty not really yeah. knowing what to do in this meta they still were trying to run some some weird stuff you know they're just trying to be in they're trying to hope that something would work out uh and i think shanghai just knew how to punish it they just ran basically what they thought was best and just did whatever um yeah i think soul mm -hmm. really desperately wants to get back to a meta where they can run what they ran in the playoffs and I don't think we're ever going to have a meta like that again. Um, and I just, It's just funny because they lost the play. They lost the they finals. Lost the playoffs. Exactly. They, they lost the finals. So why, why try to go back to it? But th that's like, that's all it screams is what they're playing is that they just want, you know, they want gesture to pop off and like fair gestures fucking so good. Pardon me. Um, I really wish they would utilize Marvel more. I think Marvel is a really good tank. Um, and they were talking about this on Platchat of like, Marvel would actually be so much better as like a main tank. And I think he would bring that sort of consistency. And so I think it'd be really interesting, say if this was a different meta, playing Marvel a bit more um, with Toyu. Generally, I don't know, like I don't, I don't think Seoul's going to go very far. I think Shanghai, yeah, had it easy that they got to get, go against Seoul. I, the Spark is really the only other team that I would say is, like, really, really showing consistently against Shanghai. I think Philly now has a chance to. But, you know, even when you think about who Shanghai is going to scrim, like, I don't know if they're going to be prepared to beat Dallas again. Like... I don't know if they're even or honestly there. even atlanta in my opinion yeah i don't yeah. i don't really know so it's... it will it will be interesting it will be interesting and then obviously there was the spark 
NYXL game, which I got it right somehow with my hot, (laughs) like my which I mean was very. I think the NYXL barely qualified. I think it was literally just due to the fact that Chengdu lost. Shit, the bed's over. Yeah, they they lost. They lost like their very last game. Uh, and so then the NYXL qualified for the bracket for the knockouts. And then they beat Spark. Which was also your other team, which I think was very funny. Okay, well, you know, if they hadn't been seated (laughs) together, I could easily see both of those teams going. So, you know. Also a hot take. Also a hot take. I, once (laughs) I stand by my APAC one, which was like, it was the most hot take. And then I watched this weekend and I was like, you know what? I don't think it was as bad of a hot take as people thought it was. Um, I think that the NYXL are turning into the Dallas Fuel. Where they barely qualify, and now they're gonna are they? You know, people are saying they're gonna win the whole thing. You know, I I don't think that's gonna happen. That's wow. I I, I think the far. I think the Atlanta Rain have a bigger chance of winning it all than they do. Yes. Uh, and I don't think the Atlanta Rain have a big chance of winning it at all. <laughs> so, but I, mean, I think I think the games were interesting. I definitely yeah, I think the games were interesting. I think they're always interesting. We kind of mentioned it before, but the fact that the Spark got to play in person um was super interesting like it's exciting to see that in person i also think that it might have hurt them a little bit because um it meant that you know they had that added pressure onto the spark um i didn't watch all of it but i saw the walkout and a lot of the players looked like they were kind of terrified as they were doing their walkout through the crowd um and I think that, you know, the fact that NYXL didn't have to play like that and hung, like the Spark did meant that I think there was a little bit of added pressure. Um, but I don't, you know, I think the, the Hung Zhao just, I, I don't know, like it was a weird match. It was 3-1, but I, right. something I, about it was just weird. Yeah, I think what was interesting is I do think the Spark were very happy to go out the very first day and then i think it just i think maybe the nerves i don't even think it was the crowd that got to them i think it was the nerves of playing live that got to them and i think that maybe they just hadn't experienced it that much and i think maybe as time goes on and more home stands happen i think we'll be okay um but i I still think it was fun i i'm going to be curious to see how the nyxl do in the knockouts though only because they kind of have the anime, they have the the anime like spinoff uh, sequel going on, where they barely qualified <laughs> and then you know they, they barely qualified, so now they have to go. Maybe maybe they'll lose to Dallas View in the finals, uh, and then come back and win the uh, the Summer Showdown. Um, but we'll yes. see. And so, yeah. Any uh, any final thoughts on the qualifiers this week? No, I think we summarized it well. I think it was a really fun weekend. I think just the excitement about knockouts sort of bring a new energy. So while I I don't know if I fully agree with them in a tournament structure, I think as a viewer, they make them super fun. And when you get crazy upsets like we saw this weekend, um, it just makes it all that much more fun. And I think the production of the Overwatch League has been really fun i think it's just been really interesting um so i've been enjoying it yeah awesome well i i think we will go into just straight into predictions for now 
Uh, so our, our to, into our predictions from last week, we had for APEC, I had the Chengdu Hunters, the Shanghai Dragons, and you had the Spark in the NYXL. So we each got one. We each got one. And then, of <laughs> course, our, our NA bracket, which <sighs> I at least said the Dallas Fuel. And so I yep. win. I win the, the <laughs> total win. matchup. You I win I I win our, our little game since yeah. I said the Dallas Fuel. Uh <laughs> I said Toronto. Yeah, you said which, Toronto, like, which Toronto, weren't even in there. Toronto <laughs> weren't even in the knockouts. So I did say I did okay, I did rewatch it though, or like re-listen to it. And I was like, yeah, shock and outlaws for sure. And I was like, but if I were gonna pick a hot take, it would be Toronto. <laughs> so like it wasn't that I was really committed to the idea of Toronto. But, like, I thought I should mention that they were interesting. And then just, yeah, they were, like, not even a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, now we will go into our new hot takes. I don't know if it... I don't know if we should do the whole bracket. So I will say, who do you think is going to win the June tournament joust? Oh, James. June tournament joust. The June tournament joust. Um, I think it's going to be the fuel. I... I would be I'm going to be surprised if it's not the fuel who do you think would be who do you think they're going to be playing in the finals I think that might be a good who do you think they're going to be playing I put in my bracket prediction for mm -hmm. uh the like pickums and I said that um Atlanta or it was going to be like Atlanta rain or yeah the Atlanta rain versus Dallas fuel for the sort of like winners bracket because I think that Atlanta will beat NYXL, and I think that Fuel will beat Shanghai. Um, but I had Shanghai beating Atlanta in the losers, so I said that it was going to be Dallas versus Shanghai again. I don't actually think that, after like more consideration and sort of watching more of the games, um, I think that the Rain will be able to actually beat Shanghai. Um, so I think we'll see a Rain-Fuel Grand Finals. I don't know if APAC is just strong enough to prepare for what fuel is bringing in the fact that they're just like pure aggression and the fact that they just mm -hmm. want it so bad and i think the rain's expertise in their roles all right well i will i will i will put my foot down i'm going to do the crazy hot take of the week Ooh, uh okay. since i am currently 1-0 up i can i can choose i can it's okay if i lose this uh map for sure this game between us uh <laughs> NYXL wins the whole thing. Um, why? I don't think so, but I think it would be hilarious if they do. Oh my god! Uh, I I really, if that happens, honestly, I do think that there is a scriptwriter in the Overwatch League, uh, since this would totally be the anime spinoff uh, sequel to the Dallas Fuel, uh, Dallas's Fuel Run. But I, in all seriousness, though, I do think I think that it will be the Dallas Fuel versus the Shanghai Dragons again. Only because I think the Shanghai Dragons will be a little more focused on playing the same meta. I don't know if there will be a switch. But I, I am curious. Though I do think that the Fuel have a very good chance because in the if you we were like we remember in the main melee that Dallas Fuel were playing basically Rhine comps up until the, the main melee. And then they switched it to the Winston comps that the Shanghai Dragons were running, which granted you could argue Fearless is the best Winston in the world. <laughs> so it didn't really matter that much, but 
Yeah, I'm just gonna say NYXL. Just I'm just gonna go for it. If you end up predicting this right, uh I just I just win the whole the whole predictions. There's no competition anymore. You just, just predict the future. I'll right just there. I'll just predict who wins the Overwatch League next week, I guess. Oh so <laughs> I I think my sort of thoughts over the Overwatch League this season is just that like there's so many teams that feel viable and it's such a departure from what I think we saw last season which was that there were a few teams that were super good and you kind of just felt like the shock were gonna win this time around for both this tournament and I think um the overall league and you know where we'll where we'll end up in October is or September <laughs> whenever the the playoffs are um I think you're gonna end up seeing a lot of surprising sort of showings I don't think it's gonna be as predictable as I think it was in the past just because I think the overall skill of the teams is just above and beyond what we've seen in the past like you watch season one of the overwatch league and it's laughable if you took like you know even if you took the nyxl you took the nyxl from the first season you know which looked good you know jonak was uh, like fantastic that season and so you, you take the nyxl then and then you compare them to the nyxl now and if they were to go head to head like you know the nyxl now would win um and so I think generally, for when it comes to predicting things, it's going to be a lot harder just because everyone wants it. And because the shock haven't looked to be the dominant sort of obvious front runners the whole season, it means that every team thinks they actually have a shot at winning. And I think that's rejuvenated sort of players' ability to want to win differently. Right. So, yeah, I'm really... <laughs> I think we're in, a, in for a lot of good Overwatch in the next few months. I will say, I don't know if I completely agree with that. I do think that the skill level of the Overwatch League is very high, but I, I think the issue, the reason that we're having this, this unpredictable situation is because there isn't time to completely figure out how how a meta works how people are playing like if you know and yes it's it's i'm going to real life sports but if you if you were in the like nfl and you banned a certain position every week or every four weeks you're gonna have some teams that lose because you know they have a very good tight end or a very good center or i don't know um and so i i think I agree. I, I agree with people's decisions that maybe, you know, four months of the same meta might be potentially boring. Uh, but I almost disagree. I think I, I think going back to goats, I think they missed the point with goats. I think the reason goats was boring was because it was dominant for longer than than four months. And I think it's also also think of I think we need to look at the players. I think players definitely prefer very consistent metas they also prefer very because it's their jobs i i think it's fun to watch for us you know we get to see the shock of oh my gosh the the spark just won versus the the shanghai dragons i don't think that would have happened in a consistent meta 
I don't think... I think the shock would beat the rain in a consistent meta. I'll be. I'll just be honest. Granted, I am obviously a very big shock boy. Uh, but I think... I do think maybe map bans would be interesting. I do because I do think that it changes how player how teams play certain matchups. So we can talk about that. I think next week though, when we have you know, kind of an off week, mm -hmm. or maybe that will be our off week schedule. Yeah, I so. think there's there's a few things. Um, I think we'll probably wrap up here in a sec, but I do want to say, mm. I think. Consistent in meta is good if it's a good meta. But mm -hmm. you saw Super... I don't know if you saw, he tweeted out, he's like, God, I hate Moira Lucio support lines because it's just about cycling those alts. And I think that, like... Or, like, imagine if we just had this, like, echo dominance the whole season. Um, I think... Metas are good if they're interesting, but metas can get stale and bad very quickly. And so I think you end up wanting to have some variety and changes, even from a player's standpoint, because if not, it just, it means that like one team will rise above and nothing will change. And so you just have that sort of dominance like you've seen mm -hmm. with the shock. Um, and I think for me, what really shows a good team is that ability to change and flex and if you're consistent through multiple metas then i think you're a better mm. team than a team that's only good at one all right i i i think it would be interesting to see instead of hero bands instead of how how they do this i think it would be interesting how they did it with the main melee where there was a patch in the middle of it but it didn't switch um where perhaps you know there you don't change it to you don't change it to multiple um until multiple weeks later until maybe even a month or two later to where so the the meta can shift if you know there's like an echo buff nerf or buff or please please blizzard do not buff echo god damn <laughs> please please do not buff echo could you yeah just imagine so however i do think that is all that we have for this week. Any final thoughts, Sabine? I am so excited for this meta to be over. <laughs> I, I am I am excited. I, I can't believe how much I miss double shield. I mean I already talked about how much I like double shield, but I I miss Ryan Brawls. I miss double shield. I can't so, wait for Tracer to be back in the meta. I think I miss Striker Tracer. on Tracer. I, I just miss everyone on Tracer, like Sparkle. I just, I think these hero pools were so bad because they took out, like, one, very interesting characters, and two, like, they screwed over every comp, so every comp was just played in, like, a sort of, like, limpy version of that comp. It was like, yeah, sure, that's technically dive, but, like, feels wrong. <laughs> and so I, I think this has been a really fun tournament, and I think it's been really mm -hmm. interesting. And you've seen a lot of shakiness from a lot of teams you didn't expect. And so I think it creates very interesting storylines. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it being over. All right. Well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes <laughs> we'll once see. the NYXL out. Once the NYXL wins the whole thing. Uh, of course. Of course. Of course. All right. Of course well, the NYXL will uh, win the June tournament. The June tournament. <laughs> the June tournament uh, joust. 
Uh, that's my fault. The JJJ. Well, it, JJJ. it's Jonak. I think Jonak has, does Jonak have three? Oh, he only has two. So two. I guess we have to re, re, re go back to the June tournament. But <laughs> all right. That's well, you can follow me uh, at the Zohan TTV on Instagram and Twitch and YouTube. And where can they follow you, Sabine? Uh, you can follow me at the underscore bean one one three on Twitch and Twitter. Oh, and TikTok. And TikTok. <laughs> and TikTok. All right. Well, that is everything we have for you today. Thank you for listening to the God Awful Gaming. Everyone. Yes. Thank you for listening to the God Awful Gaming podcast. We're the worst. Talk about the best. We'll see you next week. Peace. And I'm going to download.